Welcome to the Nerd Stalgic Podcast with your host, the Ginger A man has a choice. I chose the impossible. I built a city where the artist would not fear the censor, where the great would not be constrained by the small, where the scientists would not be bound by petty morality. I chose to build rapture. But my city was betrayed by the weak. So I ask you, my friend, if your life were the prize, would you kill the innocent? Would you sacrifice your humanity? We all make choices, but in the end, our choices make us. Andrew Ryan. Howdy beans, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Nerd Sagit Podcast. I am your host, Luke the Human. Hope you're doing well, hope you're all good, as per usual. So today, we're going to be talking about Bioshock, uh, the first Bioshock game on the Xbox Series X, the remastered version, which originally came out on the Xbox 360 and a year later on the PlayStation 3. Um, but before I get into all that, I just want to say all the boring stuff first. So don't forget to follow me on Twitter at nerdstagic underscore pod for updates on anything and everything that I am doing from video games to TV shows to what I'm reading and just funny random nerdy things that I like to post. And if you listen to this on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe and comment. If you're not listening on YouTube, I have a YouTube uh, channel where I post my episodes the day after they release on Spotify. Just go onto YouTube and type in the Nerdstagic Podcast and you'll find me there. Um, So yeah, that is all the boring stuff out the way. One thing I will say though, before I fully get into it, um, if you haven't listened to last week's episode where I deep dive into the um, prequel novel, uh, Barshak Rapture by John Shirley, if you haven't checked that episode out, recommend, give this one a pause, go back to last week's episode and check that one out. It's not necessary, but I would say it's one, it's a pretty good episode and I quite enjoyed it. Two, it's the return of side quests, and I haven't done a side quest in a long time. And three, I feel it's, it's an interesting sort of topic. I deep dive not just into the book, but I also explain, without spoilers, why the events of the book would actually make for a good um, movie license sort of TV show, uh, even a TV show or even a movie. Now, since doing that review, I did a little bit more research, and I found that last year, and I can't believe I forgot this, but last year Netflix announced that they had the movie rights to actually doing a Bioshock film, which is quite exciting, really, really exciting. Um, I just hope that they, you know, again, decide to follow the book instead of trying to remake the first game into a film. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. If you want to hear more about that, you know, go check out the prior episode. But it's an interesting topic. and I think you uh, all you beans will really, really enjoy it. Right. So. Bioshock. Let's get into it. This potentially is going to be my biggest and longest episode of season two. Um, I've been planning this one for a long time. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I haven't done a deep dive really into any game series since last year when I did in season one when I talked about the um, 
basically the the rise and fall of halo from the bungee era of halo which was the good the best version of halo and then you've got the um free for free version of halo and basically from halo 4 halo 5 uh and then all the way to halo infinite and i won't go into full detail about it because we might need to talk about that but again that's another one if you haven't checked out go check that one out but it's been a long time since i've actually done a deep dive into any game series in a long time so i figured why not bioshock so from the all of may when you'll be hearing this i am planning to look into all of the bioshock games i can't guarantee they'll be each week uh, most likely there'll be this one this week and there might be another two other sort of topics in the middle before i'd say i do bioshock 2 mainly because i want to properly play through the game a couple times refresh my memory because it's been a while since i played bioshock uh, 2 as i did with this one do some research do some backup write loads of notes and then i want to properly get into it so i can't guarantee next week you'll see bioshock 2 but we'll get there when we get there but for now we're going to be talking about bioshock so um i wanted to start off by talking about my history of bioshock basically a bit of story time because i haven't done a story time for a long time either um it's kind of silly to be honest and i might sound a bit crazy but i remember seeing the sort of trailer for this game i think it was the e3 trailer and it looked amazing like it was running on unreal engine you know, obviously it was a pre-made cutscene and all that so it, it wasn't actual gameplay it was kind of what they used to do they don't really do it much anymore because a lot of game companies got in trouble for making cgi trailers and then the game not looking anything like that you know what i mean and a lot of gamers got mad so a lot of companies don't do that anymore they mostly just show gameplay which is good but i do kind of miss the day when they were just like concepts of like we have no idea what this game's going to be but we kind of know how it's going to look so we're just going to push this sort of cgi trailer out i like the concepts behind it but i understand where they changed it um but it was as interesting to see this world to basically it blew me away at a really really young age like it was 2007 so i th- i was still in sort of primary school um so i was still quite young have it wasn't even a teenage year i think i was about nine maybe maybe a bit younger than that so i was still very impressionable it i'd never seen a world like this before you know a world underwater that looked as beautiful as this i didn't know what a cgi trailer was i generally thought this is what the game would look like and in a way the game kind of stuck to that and does actually look the way it does um but actually i didn't play it straight away when it first came out but that trailer really stuck with me and this is where it gets a bit silly and this is where people might think i'm a bit crazy but I used to dream about Rapture. Generally, it was like a siren call. You know, it was like this game was calling to me. It's like if you've watched the movie Rose Red by Stephen King, you know, it's it's very much the fact of, that's a deep cut, to be honest, because not many people know that film. Um, <laughs> but it's like the series Rose Red. Like, it's, it's, Rapture's calling to me. It's like, come back, come back, finish what you started, give it a go, you know, come rebuild Rapture, you know, that sort of thing. I was, I was dreaming about it. I was having vib- really vivid dreams of underwater cities and big daddies and this sort of thing and I, I was just like i wasn't my body and my brain and my consciousness wasn't satisfied until i finally got around to playing this game and i did eventually my dad got it and then i remember sitting and playing it and i was just enthralled and and sorry part of the pun but i'm going to use this all the way through but i was enraptured by rapture okay i said it it had to be said but it's true i was enraptured all the way through this game just blew me away and it was just me like it blew everybody away because this was this game was running on unreal uh 2.5 the game itself you know nobody had seen anything like this before this was a concept that no one had ever experienced 
You know, if you ever played the intro of this game, no other game started like this. The, like, the game started by not telling you anything. Generally, you crash in the ocean, you see a lighthouse, you take a bathosphere underwater, you've got a man talking to you about what is possible and what isn't, and then you see the city of Rapture, and it's just like, no hand-holding, like, here we are, you're in the city, you're in this utopia, have forth and explore. You know what I mean? Like, this game was revolutionary for the time. And for me, it's always been one of those where... Again, even now I've played it multiple times. Every now and then I'll get a dream where it'll call back to me, but I'll come back to Rapture. Give it another go. So every year or two, I will. I will go back and I will replay Bioshock. And I'll replay all of them because I just love all the Bioshock games and series. To be honest, I think actually replaying this game now um, for this review, I think it was my 10th or 11th time that I've actually fully replayed it and done everything. And at this point, the game is bit of, is, is a breeze for me because I know where to go. I know where all the tonics are. And not just that, I'm playing on the remastered edition because I actually I bought the, the Bioshock trilogy remastered for next gen. And I remember replaying it through it again. And I, I play it now on, on New Game Plus. So I have all my weapons upgraded. I've got all the upgraded plasmids. I play it on a higher difficulty just to make it a bit more fun because I am very much OP. And, it, you know, it's it's a, such a fun experience. And even though I know what's going to happen and I know the, the twists and the turns and I know everything about Bioshock and Rapture and Andrew Ryan and Jack and Atlas and all that, even though I know all that, it still feels fresh. It feels new. This game still feels incredible and it still blows me away i'm still left in awe at moments i'm just sitting there looking i'm like this game looks gorgeous and especially when i played it on next year when i got the remastered editions again i was blown away once again of like this is what i imagined i remember it looking like because i played it on the on the 360 and if you play it now on the 360 or playstation 3 and you look at it through the eyes that you have with next gen. You can see a bit rough around the edges. Not, not. It's beautiful, but it's, it's, you know, still a bit sort of um, not as grand as you remembered. And then when I played it on next gen, I was like, okay, this is how I remember it looking. This is how I remember it looking visually stunning and in awe. You know what I mean? So that's my history, Barshak. It, it's, it's constantly calling to me. It's constantly a siren call of like, come back to the city, you know, reclaim the city, save the city, save me, you know, replay me. You know, I've got that constantly in my head of like, let's just do it, do it, do it, you know. So that's my history of Barshak. I love it deeply. And it's one of them series that has always stuck with me, always, always sort of enthralled me and just sort of pulled me in. And again, every now and then I'll come back and I'll replay this series because I have to. I have to experience it. You know what I mean? I, there's no way you just can't, you know? Um, so that is my history with Bioshock. As for as for the next part, one thing I want to mention is that um, there will be spoilers. Um, I don't really want to sort of... Basically, the thing with Bioshock is the fact of if you haven't played this game, it's worth going in it knowing nothing. And what I mean by that is if I was to sit here and say, oh, this happened in it and that happened in it, um, you'd be left feeling like, oh, well, you know, I've, Luke's ruined it for me. And I don't want that. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. So what I'm going to try and do is there will be some spoilers, but I'm going to kind of pull back on them as much as possible. Um, I will mention when there is a spoiler. And if you've played the game, you know what spoiler I'm, I'm talking about. Um, so when that part comes, I will let you know. But I will try to be as non-spoilerific as possible. I will try to be not intentionally completely vague where you don't know what I'm talking about, but vague enough where 
if something was to happen, you kind of don't feel like I ruined it, basically. You know, so it'll be, we'll be all right. We'll be okay. <laughs> um, also, just one thing I want to mention how this review would be structured. So how my review is going to be structured, it's not like I do most reviews where I just do an introduction and then I'll go step by, uh, I'll just go one step at a time where it'd be like, here's my introduction and then you have another long sort of winded sort of, but waffling sort of talk, right? Just talk and talk and talk. Um, and then the end. The way I'm going to structure this is I'm going to pull it in parts. So you've got the introduction here. The next part of this will be visuals and presentation. Then I'm going to talk about the little sisters and big da daddies. Then it's going to be plasmids and combat. Then the weapons. Then the research camera. Talking about the music. There are a few special mentions and then overall thoughts. And then we'll get nicely into the end. Um, and each one of those will be their own section. So there'll be an interlude uh, in between. As I mentioned, this one's going to be pretty big, pretty long. Um, so basically get ready for the long haul. Because I've got a lot to talk about. And I love this game to bits. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I've just had to hydrate myself to get myself ready. Because I can already tell that my voice is going to get dry um, from doing this episode. So, before we get, as, uh, shall we get into it, basically? Yes, we should get into it. So, what is Bioshock, right? Bioshock is the first person game of the Bioshock, is the first game of the Bioshock series. It was released on August the 21st, 2007 in North America and August the 24th in Europe and Australia with a standard edition and a limited edition. Bioshock is a genetically enhanced action-adventure horror-themed first-person shooter game by Irrational Games. While exploring the underwater dystopia, Rapture, the, the player, is urged to turn everything into a weapon, biologically modifying their own body with plasmids, hacking devices and systems, upgrading their weapons, crafting new ammo variants, and philosophy, architecture and society of Rapture were strongly inspired by the works of Anne Rind. Especially the novel Atlas Shrugged. The game itself is described by the developers as a spiritual successor to their previous PC title, System Shock 2. Bioshock received high praise in critical reviews for its atmospheric audio and visual quality, absorbing and original plot, and its unique gaming experience. Right, so that's that's going to give you kind of the layman's terms of what Bioshock is about. For anybody who's never played it, that's the layman's terms, right? Now for the plot. Bioshock takes place in 1960, where Jack, the sole survivor of a plane crash in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, discovers the entrance to the recluse underwater city of Rapture. At the end of a civil war, which left most of it in despair, finding himself trapped in a strange and dangerous dystopia, with only a mysterious man called Atlas helping him. Jack has no choice but to fight for his survival against Rapture's mutated mo uh, monsters and denizens, using all types of weapons and genetic enhancements as he searches for a way to return to the surface. Right, so that's the plot for you. Give you a bit of concept of the storyline. At the start of the game, the protagonist Jack is a passenger on an airliner which goes down in the Atlantic Ocean in 1960. Sometime after ordered society and Rapture has collapsed, after surfacing, Jack finds himself the only survivor of the crash and swims to a nearby towering lighthouse on an island. He finds there a bathysphere, which descends into the ocean's abyss and the entrance to the underwater city of Rapture. An Irishman named Atlas assists Jack in, the making, in making his way to safety via the service radio found in the submarine vessel. Andrew Ryan, believing Jack to be an agent of a surface nation, 
uses Rapture's automated system and his pheromone-controlled splicers against him, Atlas tells Jack that the only way he can survive is to use the abilities granted by plasmids and that he, be, he must kill the little sisters accompanying by their hulking armoured protectors, the big daddies, to extract their Adam, inadvertently crossing paths with Jack, Dr. Tenabom urges him to save the little sisters instead, giving him a plasmid that will safely kill the embedded sea slugs in each little sister, reverting them to normal girls. Atlas says his wife and child have been hiding on a submarine and directs Jack towards it. Just as Jack and Atlas reach the bay where it's located, well, I won't carry on because it'll get a bit spoilers, but that's going to give you the idea of of the storyline. But you'll kind of, as you play the game, it will slowly start to piece itself together. You know, it's it's very it's not drip fed to you. It's it's given to you gradually. But it, Bioshock, in terms of story, it's one of them games that it's. And as I talk about when we get to the visual and the presentation, um, it's the world tells the story. The environment, the level design tells the story. Um, the characters tell the story. You can find um, these audio logs around the level, which will give you a bit of a backstory to what happened here, to the people that lived here when. Bioshock, uh, well, I mean, Rapture was going through its golden age. Because there's different ages of Bioshock. And that's one thing I, why I recommend about reading the book. Because you get to see each age of Bioshock. From the first age to the golden age till the third age. And the third age is the, is the Civil War. Is when things went to hell. And basically why Rapture is the way you see it when you play the game. So I highly recommend, again, going back and reading the book. For all those bits of extra juicy information. Um, it's a fantastic novel highly recommend it right so that's kind of the the what is Bioshock and the story and the plot so next we're going to be talking about the visuals and the presentation of Bioshock and Rapture right so the visuals and presentation of Rapture now as I mentioned in the introduction Bioshock and Rapture has always been to me gorgeous. I've always found it so stunning. It like it, it again. It's the thing that attracted me, and I think what started the siren song in my head originally was just the visual aesthetic of this level. Now, if you've listened to me long enough, you know that I love my visuals. You know, my, you, I love my level design. Anything that's appeasing to the eye, like the game, could be completely terrible. But if you have great level design, I, I'm willing to work with you because it means that. You've you've generally tried like the story might not be great, but you've generally tried to make me feel like I, I'm in a living, breathing world. And Rapture is definitely one of those situations where the 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 story and the visuals both bolster each other, both build each other up. And I've spoke about this many times about everything has to everything has to bolster everything up. You have to build each other up. You you can't just have one is really good, but the other's flat. You know, to build a great world and to build a great presentation, everything has to bolster each other. Everything's got to support each other so that we can reach the higher heights and the echelons of peak gaming and peak story and peak narrative and all that jazz. Um, as I mentioned, I played this game on the next-gen version, the remastered version, and the game just looked even more gorgeous. I was drooling, just blew me away. Especially that introduction where they redid the introduction to the game. Still kept it the same, but just visually more beautiful. And every time I play that intro, it's it's you know, when you have 
Andrew Ryan, who you don't even know who he is at this point, is just talking to you. This man is just talking to you about the impossible, about why he decided to build the impossible. And his version of the impossible is Rapture. And then the curtain comes up and you just see this underwater city. You've got fish and whales and octopus and all kinds of man of creatures just floating around you. And you've got the music as well. And, and it, the visuals and the presentation is just... Mm, it's perfect. And one bit of nugget of information that I found during my research was that where they got the, the visual idea for how they wanted Rapture to look um, was Ken Levine, the man that was he's the head sort of writer and designer of Bioshock. He basically, with his missus, went to New York and they got loads of disposable cameras and they went to places like the Empire State Building, the Chrysler Building, all the old-fashioned sort of 1910, 1920s sort of buildings, architecture, and just with these disposable cameras just took pictures of the architecture, of door handles, of light fixtures, um, of the designs of the art. And they used that as their interpretation of what um, they wanted Rapture to look like. Because what you've got to remember, it was very much in the style of the 1940s 1950s sort of high popping 20s sort of um, steampunky sort of look um, and if you play rapture and you play barshock you just know what, I'm, what i mean by that um so they designers put a lot of work into how they wanted the levels to look and i have to commend them to that um as for the presentation um i've always found and again this is where it might be a bit crazy but the presentation is of a living, breathing world. Rapture is alive, in lack of better words. It is generally another character. So you don't just have, you know, Andrew Ryan, Jack, the main character that you play as in the game, or Atlas, or even Tenabomb. The, the sort of the third or even fourth main character in that is Rapture. And from my interpretation now of playing this game over and over again, and from the the presentation perspective, is that Rapture as a heart, Rapture's alive, right? It its heart is beating as the and you know, and to me again, this way it's going to get a bit crazy, but please do bear with me. Rapture actually is you know the main character. You're not the main character that you play as. So Jack is not the main character. You might play as him, but the main character, the main sort of narrative story, and all that is actually Rapture. Right, Rapture is the main character. And what I mean by that is the fact of when you have, again, it's going to get a bit spiritual, but when you have enough people in certain area, you can tend to bring things alive. You know, uh, things have a sort of um, energy to them. And Bioshock has the energy when, again, it's that siren call. When you actually see it, you can feel it. You can feel its its emotions. You can feel it's it's alive. You can feel the presentation that generally that Bioshock is alive. That Jack is the Grim Reaper. That he's come to kind of watch Rapture die. Because what you have to remember is that Rapture is sick. Okay, Rapture was built to be utopia. It was built to to serve as a place for people to be free so you have to imagine that rapture is a society of freedom it's a society of hope it's a society of dreams it's a society of magic of fantasy of love of passion and uh, when you have enough people like that in, in one area and one sort of place that can't leave before things start going crazy, you have that criticism, you have that juices flowing, you have that sort of drive, you have that magic. And it brought Rapture to life 
when Rapture was at its golden age, and again, the hindsight of reading the books, um, and even that for when you play the games, you can see it at certain parts, the Rapture and how beautiful the city was, that the city started to come alive. And that by the time that we get to playing the first game, Rapture is now sick. It's it's leaking, you know, the, the infection has spread, the infection being the splices, you know, the viruses being Andrew Ryan and Atlas. You know, Andrew basically killed, it was slowly killing the one thing that he helped create, give birth to. And Atlas just wants to corrupt it and use it for his own gain. So Rapture is slowly dying. And your main character, Jack, you are the Grim Reaper. You've been called back to Rapture to watch Rapture die and hopefully save it and give it a good death because there's no way you can bring Rapture back. Rapture has fallen. Um, those that are left in Rapture, the Splicers, they are gone. You know, there's no there's no way bringing them back. They are too addicted to Atom. There's, you can't bring them back. You know, Andrew Ryan has lost his mind. Atlas is insane, just as much as as Andrew Ryan is, if not more at times. Um, there's nothing. There are things worth saving, but you can't save Rapture. But you can help it die um, slower. And that might sound cruel. You would rather have a quick death. But Rapture's dying anyway. So your job as a Grim Reaper is to kind of find out as to why it's dying. To find out what happened in Rapture. And to slowly, hopefully, weed out those things that are killing Rapture. And give Rapture a nice, slow death. Um, and you do achieve that. You know, Depending on your choices um, made that you make in the game, you do achieve that. Um that's how I've always seen Barshak. And from my many times of playing through the game, that's my interpretation of what the presentation is. Because if this is what is, is great level design, if you just kind of walk around any sort of level that you get in this game, you will see that the level designers try to tell a story in everything. You know, they na- narratively try to tell stories with dead bodies, how dead bodies are left, you know. Um, what was the last things they were doing before they died? How were they died? How were they killed? And how did they died? How did they? How were they killed? That sort of thing, you know. Um, and the destruction and and the leaking and water dripping down from the ceiling, you know, different sort of cracks. You can see the rot setting in, and you can see actually how the rot set in originally. You know what I mean? And it's great level design, great great presentation to show you like this place on the outside. It's like a it's like a sponge clay. Like a sponge cake, you know, it's beautiful on the outside and it looks gorgeous and it looks beautiful and I'm sure it tastes great as well. Probably, probably not, probably a bit salty and very uh, rust and irony. Um, but on the outside, it's visually appealing. You know, when you first play the game, you first sort of go into their bathosphere bat- uh, and you see Rapture, it is very much the fact of this place is gorgeous. This is a utopia. This is like the neon still works. You know, the, there's fish swimming about. The cities look like, you know, there's electricity. The cities look like they're alive. You'd imagine there'd be people living there. You like you try to imagine what the people would look like that live here. You know, you kind of imagine all this sort of stuff. It's not until you get into the rapture and you meet the first splicer and then you have you talk with Atlas and then as soon as you get out of the bathosphere you can see that there's signs around being like let us like set us free, let us leave. You know, there's picket signs around, you know, there's there's bits of um luggage 
that is sprawling around as well, where people have come to kind of leave, but they weren't allowed to leave. So people thought they could, they brought their luggage, and they were told they can't. And there was uh, obviously people that rioted. And as soon as you go through the game, you see a lot more of these things where there were riots and there were a war and there was fighting. And people were like, no, we, you know, no, no, we should not go, that sort of thing. Um, and again, it's all in the story, and Rapture tells you the story bit by bit. But it's only there if you're willing to see it. If you're willing to sit and you're willing to listen and to and to visually look, to stop for a second, stop the shooting, stop the killing of, of splicers, and generally just sit and look around you, you will learn what happened here. You know what I mean? This is why I say, it, you know, some people might see it as a spoiler for reading the book, but this is why I always recommend reading the Rapture before you play Bioshock, because you get two different interpretations. You get to see the rise and fall of Bioshock, how it was, how it looked, how it looked when it was being built, how it looked during its golden age, and how it looked when it when it fell. And then when you play the game, you can be like, okay, I remember this part of the book. I remember that part of the book. I've been here. I've seen this. I remember how it used to look because I've visually seen it. And now seeing it when it's decayed, you know, it gives an extra emphasis of like, damn, a lot went down here. And this place could have been a utopia, should have been a utopia. But because of the greed of humanity and the wants of others, and obviously, again, Rapture was meant to fail. Obviously, I won't get into it. That uh, I could do a whole episode on as to why Rapture ra- fell um, and the sort of philosophy behind Rapture. But, you know, one thing I will say before I move on is the fact of it's its own fault. Not Rapture. You know, it's the people and the ideals behind Andrew Ryan and all that was the reason why Rapture fell. And that's all I will say on that. Because, again, that's a different topic and a different episode for another day. Maybe I might do it in the future. Um but yeah, so that's sort of one thing, that's what I wanted to say about the visuals and presentation. One final thing I want to mention um, is that there were many times, again, as I mentioned in the introduction, where I found myself just stopping and just to look around at, at, at the world of, of Rapture. And one of my favourite things to do is with this game is generally just to find a giant window and just to stop and look at the fish. And I know it sounds kind of silly, but it's part of the charm of Rapture. Is it's the you when you, as you're playing through the game, you tend to forget where you are. You know you're in a in a city, and you know that you're you're surrounded by you know people that have lost their minds. But you tend to forget that you're underwater. It's not until you see water spurting through the ceiling, through bits of glass. You know, there's cracks in the glass where the water's spurting through, and slowly but surely, you know rapture is flooding and dying um but there are times where you're running about where you forget you're underwater and there are times i remember when i first played the game it caught me off guard i'm like oh god yeah i'm underwater and then i would just stop and i'd look out the window and i'd watch the the um what's it what's a group of fish called is it called a school of fish yeah it's a school of fish going past you know um and just looking at the and the whales and hearing the sounds of the ocean and hearing the sounds of whale music and all that it's it's again it's enrapturing you know it pulls me in it's like oh my god you know I'm I am underwater so again the presentation the visuals all work in tandem together perfectly to kind of tell a story that something happened here this place was once beautiful but it no longer is and it's your job to find out what happened here and it all works fantastically together. Um, so for that alone, this game is a 10 out of 10 in my books because of just for the visuals. Um, 
so that is visuals and presentation. So next one we're going to look into is the Little Sisters and the Big Daddies. Right, so on to the next section, Little Sisters and big, the Big Daddies, or as I like to call them, the lifeblood of Rapture. Now, the Little Sisters, originally named as Gatherers by the game developers, are young girls who have been genetically altered and mentally conditioned to reclaim Atom from course, corpses around Rapture. Little Sisters are almost always accompanied by a Big Daddy. They generally are immune to a damage outside of being harvested, and have no offensive abilities. Attacking them, however, will incur the wrath of their Big Daddy protectors. Now, I want to do a thought experiment with you all. And again, this is going to seem a bit crazy, it's going to seem a bit weird, but um, just bear with me. So if we go along with the idea and the concept, as I mentioned um, in the visuals and presentation part, that Rapture is a living, breathing organism. That Rapture is alive, right? It's slowly dying, but it's still alive. OK, so we established that the, the father, the main creator, the person that kind of brought to life the idea and concept of Rapture was Andrew Ryan. And it was the people that helped uh, Rapture flourish. And it was for a long time the golden age lifeblood of Rapture was the people. And now that we play Bioshock 1 and now Rapture is now dying, it's now got to a point where it is uh, slowly starting to decay, slowly starting to die. And that's because of the two viruses that are Atlas and Andrew Ryan. And that the splicers, they're also viruses, bits of bacteria, things that are trying to kill and slowly start to seep away and of the destruction of the decay, really trying to suck as much of the life force out of Rapture as possible. All right. So that's the idea. So if you have an organism that is slowly dying that's being killed by a virus and loads of bacteria the one thing that keeps your body alive is your bloodstream now rapture's a heart rapture's heart in my opinion is the music and we'll get to the music in a minute um but one of the things that the heart needs to pump is blood and the lifeblood of rapture is the atom the atom helps rapture flourish i don't know what the atom does to rapture i've been honest, i never asked it's never really sort of implied to the story um but it is implied but it's never told what it's what the little sisters do with it they just collect it um but the little sisters i like to imagine them as the red blood cells they are the things that kind of keep the rapture's heart pumping keep rapture going right the big daddies are the protectors they're the antibodies they're the things that protect the red blood cells from the viruses so they're the ones that help the red blood cells continue their job safely securely and protect them so if any sort of viruses whether it be a splicer whether it be andrew ryan or atlas or yourself as the player anybody gets close to them is instantly a threat and they fight them off and they protect them to keep them healthy well as healthy as they possibly can they are technically not they're technically dead because of the sea slugs inside them but the idea behind it is that it saves them. It keeps them alive, keeps rapture going. As well as the big daddies being the antigens, being the antibodies, they have other jobs as well. Their other job is to keep the body going, is to fix the leaks, is to fix the pipes, is to kind of stop any sort of water from coming in. Because if it wasn't for the big daddies and if it wasn't for the little sisters, rapture would have succumbed a long time ago. And, you know, lack of a better word, they would it would have drowned, it would have flooded, it would have been reclaimed by the ocean because you ask any architect you you 
if you decide to build anything underwater, the ocean will keep trying to get in. It's kind of hard to keep the ocean out. The ocean will always want to try and find a way in. You know what I mean? And if you've got a city like Rapture that's underwater and it's surrounded by salt and it's really, really cold, it's, you know, it's going to need constant maintenance to make sure this place doesn't go under. And Rapture's got to a point where, you know, there's hardly any people still around. Those that are still around aren't cognitively functioning, really. So the only people that are left to keep Rapture going, to keep Rapture afloat, is the big daddies. And if you got rid of those, the place would have seeped. You know, you ask any engineer, you know, life, or, well, again, I'm quoting Jurassic Park, but life finds a way. You know, the Aztecs and the Mayans found it true when they left their cities. Deep in the Amazon forest, the Amazon took them back. It didn't take long for the forest to take for the forest to take them back, but the Amazon did eventually. It's the same with Rapture. The ocean will take back the city eventually. It won't take them long, but it will happen. Okay, as long as you, if you don't keep on top of it, it will go right. Um, so they are very main sort of important parts of keeping Rapture alive. The Rapture that we know is to keep it alive, to keep it functioning. And this is really important to the story. Um, also, the fact is the big daddies are the mini bosses as well. Um, they're quite tough. They're the reason you want to upgrade your weapons. They, they're the reason you want to upgrade your atom as well as upgrade um, your plasmids as well. And you want to harvest or rescue the little sisters. All of it's important because the big daddies will get harder. Now, you can choose to ignore them. You don't have to fight the big daddies, but it is in your best interest to fight the big daddies. The reason being, for two reasons, reason number one is that you get given the choice half of, uh, at the beginning of the game to either harvest or rescue a little sister. Now, if you harvest a little sister, you'll get a big surge of atom, but you will kill the little sister, right? Or you can choose to rescue the little sister. Now, if you rescue the little sister, you will get less amount of atom, but you will save her life and she will eventually, and she will eventually help you. Now, when I first played the game, I wasn't aware of this whole choice and consequence. I wasn't aware of choice and consequence at all in any sort of video game because I hadn't played a game that actually had choice and consequence before. I just thought that if, a, if the game tells you to do it and you do it, that's what you're meant to do. I didn't know that I actually had free will, if that makes sense. You know, I didn't know that I was allowed to not decide not to do that and to do what I wanted to do. You know, So because Atlas who is at this point in the game is my friend. He's very, he's got a very nice, very calm, very sort of luscious Irish voice. He's very trusting. You know, he's my friend. He's been helping me. I've been helping him. As far as I know, what he says is gospel and I'm going to do what he says. And he told me to harvest the little sisters. That's the only way I'm going to survive. That's the only way I'm going to make it in, in rapture. So I did, you know, um, because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you trust this man who's been trying to help you? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't you? But later that I learned that it was more beneficial to rescue the little sisters than to harvest them. Because if you rescue the little sisters, that keeps them alive. Eventually, when you start to collect a few of them, they will kind of give you gifts. 
and they'll leave you gifts at gathering sta stations that you can go to and you'll get like extra atom that they've saved for you they might even give you new tonics that you couldn't get before and you're going to need those tonics because they're going to help you sort of they'll boost your hacking they'll um, give you like things like electric flesh so that if an enemy hits you you will release a static charge that will kill them and if you fully upgrade that most splicers will die in a one hit when they hit you so you eat, when you get swarmed don't worry about getting hit because those that have hit you behind will die you know so it is worth beneficial from doing um to saving the little sisters but also as i mentioned option number two it's that choice and consequence if you want the best ending of the story and you want to sort of again help rapture heal and help rapture have that slow death you want to save and rescue all the little sisters that you meet and so that means you're going to have to fight all the big daddies in 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 the area which again is not easy but as long as you're upgrading your stuff and you and you're sort of rescuing every little sister that you see and as well getting all the all the tonics and buying tonics and inventing tonics and stuff like that as long as you're actually playing the game as you know instead of just running and gunning and running and through if you're taking your time learning the story exploring that sort of thing it will slowly get easier and again if you want the best ending it's what you want to do if you now if you want to harvest all the little sisters then you know you get the they get the worst ending the bad ending and basically you just keep rapture slowly dying so yeah you 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 might well i don't want to say what will happen but what happens happens in the in the worst ending but rapture is still going to die so you know you you're basically the yeah i don't want to go into it because it's spoilers but it's not the best choice. And like I said, you can choose to ignore the, the big daddies. But again, why would you? Because you're just making the game harder for yourself because you'd have less atom, which means that you will struggle. Even on the easier difficulties, if you don't have atom, you will struggle. The game tells you this. Like, if you go to leave an area without killing any of the big daddies and rescuing the little sisters, the game will tell you, like, are you sure you want to proceed? Because you don't, it's going to get harder at this point on. So you're going to want to keep going. You know, you're going to want to go back um so it, it's all up to you it's your choice but again i highly recommend rescuing the little sisters if and when you can um so that's the lifeblood that's the big daddies and little sisters um on to the plasmids and combat of rapture Right, so the plasmids and combat of rapture. Plasmids are a special serum made from processed atom that introduce modified stem cells into the body, allowing for genetic modification and mutation, giving the user what some might call superpowers. Their use requires a supply of EVE. Plasmid bottles are recognized by their deep red color. Plasmids are found, obtained, or brought with Adam throughout the course of Barshock. Jack has a limited number of plasmid slots for actively equipped plasmids, and his currently equipped plasmids can be charged at a gene bank. The player may purchase additional slots and select plasmids at a gatherer's garden. The player can purchase the third level of versions of plasmids without having the first two levels as a prey. Uh, per requisite so that's kind of idea of what plasmids are they genetically alter your dna they give you what's against what someone would class and call superpowers and what they allow you to do and and the different sort of powers give you different sort of abilities and and that sort of thing now my idea in terms of bioshock is there's nothing wrong 
of having a good old one-two punch. And what I mean by that is the fact of get your plasmids. My recommendation would be the Electro Bolt to shock an enemy, to electrocute them, and to get in close with your wrench and give them the old one-two smack smack dead. Right? It's a fantastic, you know, method of combat in this game and it works wonders especially when you're playing the high levels when you don't have as many resources you don't have as much ammo you know relying on your plasmas and your wrench is a fantastic idea and is the most fun um now i'm going to list off the plasmas you get in the game and i'm going to talk about the ones i use the most and as to why so the plasmids you can actually get in Bioshock, you've got the um, Cyclone Trap, um, which spawns a mini tornado that flings any splicer who steps onto it into the air. Electro Bolt sends a jolt of electricity to electrocute an opponent or to open a few locked doors in Rapture. Uh, Enrage, which causes the target to attack anyone in the near vicinity. Um, hypnotize Big Daddy. Hypnotize a Big Daddy into thinking the user is a little sister and it will protect Jack for a short time incinerate or should i say incinerate because it's got an exclamation mark um sets the target on fire dealing damage over time also ignites any flammable objects in the firing radius insect swarm spawns a swarm of hornets which will home in on the nearest enemy damaging them as well as distracting them from the player Security Bullseye causes all security devices in the area to attack the target. Sonic Boom creates a powerful burst of air in front of the user, knocking back any enemy or object caught in the blast as well as dealing them damage. Target Dummy spawns a hologram that distracts any enemy, allowing the user to escape. Telekinesis pulls the target targeted object towards the user and allows them to throw it forward, dealing physical damage to anything it hits. And then finally, Winter Blast temporarily freezes the target, allowing them to be shad using another weapon. Right, so those are the plasma that you can get in, in the first Barshark game. Um, I'll be honest with you, the ones I use mostly are Electro Bolt and Incinerate. Especially when you get Electro Bolt um, fully upgraded, it does a lot more damage and enemies are, are sort of electrocuted, sort of stun locked, shall we say, for longer. Um, and again, you have to imagine... What happens when you have when you mix electricity with water? It's not a good combo. It's pretty dangerous, and um, it can kill you uh, in in one. You know, obviously this is a video game, so enemies don't die instantly, but it 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 should and logically kill you instantly. So, again, the logic idea behind it is the fact of well, why would they use any other plasmids apart from electricity when there's water basically everywhere? Like there's enemies that can run, it can lead enemies into pools of water, and you can shock the water, and it will just kill them. It's like putting a toaster in the in 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 the bath. You know what I mean? Like it's that sort of death-defying, you know, cataclysm. You know, it's it's destructive. You know, it it makes sense to use electric in an underwater city to me anyway so that's the one i use the most and if i don't use that i might have fun using incinerate especially when you fully upgrade that and it can it can kind of um, set multiple enemies on fire at once it's so much fun you know just to set uh, splices on fire and just watch them panic it might be sick and very twisted but you know i'm in rapture i'm i'm, I'm with the very sort of sick and twisted people anyway so why not join and have a bit of fun and enjoy the carnage? You know what I mean? If you can't beat them, join them, as they say. Um, so those are the two that I use the most. Kind of the Electro Bolt because, you know, it can open doors. And also there are a lot of water puddles everywhere in the game. So it makes sense to use that the most. Um, 
and incinerate just to kind of set enemies on fire and especially when you fully upgrade it it can kind of if you're getting swarmed by splicers which as the game goes on you do it does help to kind of electric to incinerate one enemy and if there's other enemies close by it kind of have a sort of a wide effect and it will kind of incinerate them as well and it kind of helps with crowd control um and also like i said with electric bolt it will take out any turrets it will take out any sort of those um security bots of uh, drones that fly around you can take them out you get up close you can hack them you know it's all sort of for the cause you know it all kind of makes sense to me um but for this review i did sort of sit there and go well i've got a be fair, I've got to try out all the plasmids. So I gave them all a go. Cyclone Trap is good, but again, there's not many moments. It's more, it is a trap at the end of the day. There's not many times in this game where you have to hold the fort down or have to kind of hold, uh, hold off like any sort of hordes. There's only a few, few times, but really, if you've got a shotgun or, you know, you've got other plasmids, it's not really that thing you're going to use a lot so i didn't find myself using it the many times i have many situations should i say where i needed to use it um enrage again i used it once um i didn't really feel like it was really needed especially because again the one i'm going to mention now um hypnotize big daddy anytime that i would clean an area of the little sisters you'd still find big daddies walking around the area basically moping about quite depressed really because they'd, they'd bang on greats to get the little sisters to come out no little sister would come, so they get quite angry and they walk around. If you have the hypnotized big daddy um, plasmid, you can throw it on them and they will follow you around. And for the harder levels and higher difficulty, you're going to want the backup from a big daddy to help you out. So that one is actually, I would rather use that over Enrage personally. Um, but again, it depends on your play style and how you choose to play. Um, insect swarms, they're quite useful there's something that i would use quite frequently um mainly because again it works great for distraction especially when you fully upgrade it um it can uh, affect a lot more sort of people in a, in a single area and allow you to get up close and to kind of take them out with your wrench or shotgun or your pistol or anything like that so it, it is useful but again only really on the high levels is it useful when you when you are being swarmed by splicers that it would be useful for again crowd control otherwise lower levels not so much um security bullseye again i used it once mainly because i had all all the tonics to allow me to instantly hack any turret or any of the flying drones in an area so again i didn't really need to to use the security bullseye because i was the security bullseye i was control of all the cameras all security in a level so i didn't need to use a plasmid because i'd already done it you know what i mean um sonic boom again it's a fantastic crowd control but again it's not really needed until the end of the game um again target dummy is the same not really needed till the end because again it distracts enemies but again i used it once but i didn't need to keep using it you know it's like a one-time thing you know i would all I don't need it to distract turrets or enemies because I could just electrocute turrets and get it close, hack them, and then they're mine. So I don't even have to worry about targeting or anything like that. So I didn't really use it much. Telekinesis, it's a fun one, but again, not needed. Um, all the other plasmids do things that you could do better. Um, it's fun to have telekinesis. It's fun to pick up things and throw it. But again, I've got weapons. I've got my shotgun and I've got my assault rifle. I've got my machine gun and pistol and grenade launcher. I, I don't need to pick things up and throw them. You know, if you're playing on high difficulty and and um, ammo is sparse, then yeah, I would say anything and everything that you can find to pick up and throw enemies would be useful. But again, lower levels, not so much. 
Winter Blast is a really, really good one, um, but it's not good until you fully upgrade it. Because when you fully upgrade it, you get a chance of freezing an enemy and um, shooting it. And if you have a shotgun, like one hit kill, you can just turn them into chunks of like frozen meat. It's fantastic. But again, it's not one that I used a lot because I had Incinerate and I had Electro Bolt. But again, it's still a pretty good plasmid, right? So those are the, the plasmids that I used. Those are the plasmids that you find in the game. Um, on to the weapons of Rapture. Now, on to the weapons of Rapture. Now, this game has one of the best um, shotguns in gaming. The way it looks, the way it feels, the way it, fi it feels to use as well. Um, it's, in my opinion, one of the best shotguns in all of gaming, especially when you upgrade it. You fully upgrade that beast. It's a mm, perfecto, perfecto. Um, now I'm going to list off the all of the guns in the game, as well as the ones I like to use the most. So all the weapons you get to use in Rapture are, you get, to, you, you get a wrench when you first start playing the game, which is the only melee weapon that Jack acquires in the game. Unless obviously you count plasmids, but actual physical melee, it's all it's the wrench, um, the pistol, the machine gun, a shotgun, a grenade launcher, a chemical thrower, uh, a crossbow, and your research camera. I will talk about the research camera in a minute. Now, again, as I mentioned with the whole one-two punch, when it terms of the wrench, if you plan hard difficulties and things start getting a bit difficult then you will end up using the wrench a lot more. I would recommend, um, I think it's called Wrench Jockey, which is a tonic that you can take that kind of um, boosts the amount of damage that the wrench does and how um, quick you swing it, which you want to get that. Um, and you want to get the sort of uh, shock, I think it's electric electric flesh um, tonic, which basically any enemy, enemy that gets close to you will electrocute them. So if they touch you or they hit you, they'll get electrocuted. And again, you're going to want that for the old one-two punch. So when you're shocking an enemy here and hitting them, if you get caught behind you and the enemy tries to attack you, they will get stunned or it will kill them instantly. depends on how upgraded your version of the tonic is. Um, so the wrench is useful, but you only really use it for the first part of the game mostly, again, unless you're playing on high difficulty. Um... I found myself mostly just using three weapons, which was the shotgun, the machine gun, and the pistol. As I mentioned, I played on um, New Game Plus, so I had all these fully upgraded. Um, but I enjoyed using the shotgun because, again, the shotgun, any shotgun in any game, it works wonders. It does high amounts of damage. It clears the room very, very quickly. Um, and like I said, it's the best shotgun in gaming in my opinion you know it, it just works so well especially when you fully upgrade and it does more damage faster reload and you can kind of have other sorts of bit of ammo you can have electro fire um shot where you can fire electric um electric at enemies you can get fire breath which is when you can set enemies on fire with it, with your shotgun shells what more can you ask for you know as well as you having you, you know your standard bookshot it works perfectly um and it work, kills enemies especially big daddies it it kills big daddies almost instantly in a few hits especially when it's fully upgraded um the machine gun again great crowd control when you got loads of enemies around you and you want to disperse them really quickly um you you get anti-personal rounds with this one as one of the standard rounds 
and armor piercing rounds armor piercing rounds you're going to use for the big daddies um, anti-personal rounds will do more damage to splicers than standard rounds will do so again that quicker out of fire and that huge magazine anti-personal round you take you clear a room very very quickly especially when you're taking a big daddy on you're going to want the um anti-armor ones they'll just melt big daddies very very quickly um and then you have the pistol and especially when you full upgrade this pistol i always like in any sort of game that i'm in if it gives me an option to upgrade my starter pistol i will always do it um if i ever get around to reviewing um dead space one thing that you find me talking about the most in that game is that i fully upgrade the plasma cutter um the reason being is that that was the first gun that i upgraded as an example was because i always found myself whenever i played um any sort of survival horror or any sort of game that allowed you to upgrade things i would always use the the big guns first the more the, the sort of the machine guns or the grenade launch that sort of thing and i always found myself that if i ever, ever fall back onto sort of the starter pistol or the starter weapon um it would always save my skin so the reason i always used to upgrade the plasma cutter was that if any other weapon that i had if i ran out of ammo or that i basically found myself kind of stuck that i could know i could fall back to at least one weapon that was fully upgraded and that i could melt the enemy and I, the plasma cutter for that example always helped out and it's the same thing here in bioshock you know i fully upgraded the pistol I'd, i always saved up rounds for it sort of anti-personnel rounds armor piercing rounds as well as sort of the standard shot so that when I ran out of ammo in my shotgun, I'd always go to the machine gun. And when the machine gun ran out of ammo, I know it had old, old reliable of my pistol would always help me save the day. And I had all my ammo saved up so that I could scavenge around for other um, bits of ammunition for the shotgun and for the machine gun. And it would save me um, any sort of stress of like, here we go, I'm stuck with, with just a wrench now. You know what I mean? So I always seem to stick with these weapons because, again... They work perfectly and they do what I want them to do. But again, as it was for the plasmids, I decided that I was going to play the game fair and to be a fair reviewer, I will sit and I will use every single weapon. Right. So the grenade launcher is fun. It's a fun weapon to use. Um, it's great against the big daddies. It's a great against clearing rooms, about clearing loads of splices. Um, one thing I will say, though, is that the main sort of grenade launcher shot is great. You have another upgraded one, which is a heat-seeking missile, which again is fantastic. It's, it helps a lot, especially when you're going against big daddies. Um, one of the special uh, ammo types in, with this gun is um, proximity mines, which in concept sound fantastic. But as I mentioned with some of the plasmids, there are, a lot, there are not many moments in the game where you have to hold down the fort, where you have to fight off waves and waves and waves of enemies um so i only found myself using the proximity mines once but apart from that i just used the standard um grenade launcher shot and that did it for me i didn't need to do anything else it just worked perfectly as it was um so it's all right you know if you want to take on big daddies but it's it's not really needed you know it feels too overkill too much and you don't really want to waste the ammo on splicers um so you won't end up using it that much. I know I didn't end up using it that much anyway. Uh, then we have the chemical thrower, which is basically a sort of ranged weapon that can... It's like a flamethrower. So you can fire napalm, which is flamethrower. There is a an electric gel, which you can shoot electricity. And there is a... Um, oh, what's it called now? Um, 
well, what's that really, really cold water liquid stuff? Ni uh, liquid nitrogen. You can shoot liquid nitrogen. So you've got fire, ice, and electricity. Um, all work fantastically. A lot of fun, you know, especially when you fully upgrade it, it will melt to Big Daddy really, really quickly um, by using flame. You can also use it as a cattle prod and fire electricity, and that clears a room of splicers very, very easily. Um, I didn't use the liquid nitrogen one a lot, mainly because... Literally, nitrogen was great. You could freeze enemies, but you still had to switch to another weapon to um, either your wrench or shotgun or any other weapon to basically shatter the enemies into pieces. So I didn't find myself using the liquid nitrogen um, one very, very much. Um, and finally, which I was going to use its own section for this, but I decided to sort of bring it in to sort of the weapons part of it because this tool it is a tool and it's the, the most important tool in your arsenal which is the research camera the reason why the research camera camera is your most important tool in your kit and this is only something that i learned recently which again i'm going to lose a lot of credibility here from all bioshock fans um, and all gamers or anybody who's played this game i'm going to lose full credibility here but i only learned recently how important um, the research camera is and why it's important to do your research the reason being is the fact of you can upgrade your plasmids as much as you want you can upgrade your weapons as much as you want but it doesn't mean diddly right if you don't do your research the research camera which you get later on in the game i think actually in the second or third yeah i'd say in the third mission third level is that if you use the research camera if you research enemies so if you get uh, say for example the lead head which is the splice that uses a gun, right? If you fully research the lead head, you will get given damage bonuses, you know, so you'll do more damage to that enemy, as well as you will unlock tonics from doing your research. Now, you can research anything. You can research the big daddies, uh, so you do a lot more damage to the big daddies, which, trust me, if you're going to be playing on the harder difficulties, you're going to want to be researching the big daddies. You want to research everything. You want to research the cameras. You want to research the turrets. You want to research the um, security drones. You want to research every single splicer that you meet. You want to research the little sisters because it's <laughs> it's going to sound weird. But if you research the little sisters, if you take pictures of them, you will then harvest a lot more atom from them. So everything's in your benefit to research. Um, and you want to do it. You don't want to take... <laughs> You don't want to take photos from afar. You want to take photos from close up. So anytime a little sister gets close to you or you get close to a little sister or a big daddy, uh, make sure that you're fighting the big daddy so you can get an action shot. So get up close and personal. Just as, just as they're about to hit you, take a photo and you'll get a bonus to that. But also there are tonics that you find um, throughout the game that allow you to get double the amount of percentages so i think the first one's 15 percent, and the other one is 20 percent. so what i recommend is to is to equip both the 15 and 20 percent. that way you'll research faster trust me it will save your life in the long run especially when the game starts getting a lot di more difficult you're going to want them extra tonics and you're going to want those extra sort of damage buffs and bonuses and you're going to want those extra bits of atom that you can collect from rescuing or harvesting the little sisters. Trust me, it will save your life in the long run. There'll be less stress. Just do your research. It's the most important tool you've got. Don't ignore, like I did for such a long time, the research camera. And I found that I unlocked, unlocked a lot of achievements that I didn't have just because of researching each in individual splicer and enemy and sort of... Um, 
uh, anything and anything that I could find, really. And what I'm going to find when I get round to actually playing um, the Bioshock 2, I'm going to have to end up doing all my research there because I did no research in Bioshock 2. So I've got something to look forward to in Bioshock 2. Uh, but one weapon that I forgot to mention, that I've just noticed it in my notes, um, is the crossbow. Um, this thing I never used in any of my playthroughs. I never used it. I unlocked it, but never used it. I used it here. And again, like the research camera, I felt like a fool. Because this tool, this crossbow, is incredible, right? So you've got steel bolts, and you've also got trap bolts, which again, as I've mentioned in nauseam about anything to do with traps in this game, you will not end up using them. They're, they're not useful at all. Unless you, you, you decide to hold up against like loads of security bots and splicers in one room, these things are not worth it. But it will allow you to have explosive bolts and normal steel bolts as well as the trap bolts. Um, one thing I love about this, it's fantastic if you're going to play, if you're going to upgrade it and you're going to play this game on a hard difficulty. When ammo starts getting very sparse and very hard to find, um, this weapon is a live send because you can shoot a whole sort of magazine into an enemy and kill them and retrieve all of your standard steel bolts. And like I said, if you fully upgrade this thing, you can do headshots and it will kill splices instantly. This weapon is fantastic. And it makes me wonder why I never decided to use the crossbow, mainly because I'm underwater and you've given me a shotgun and the shotgun's a beast. That's probably why. But again, do your research, use your research camera, and use your crossbow when you get it and upgrade it. It's a lot of fun to use. So those are sort of your tools of the trade, your weapons of rapture, you know, the things you want to use the most, what I used and why you should do your research. Um, on to the music of rapture, the, the lifeblood, the soul, the heart of rapture. Now onto the music. Now, as I said, Rapture is alive. It's living. It's breathing. You know, from the presentation to the characters and enemies and all that that lives inside it. It's a living, breathing world. Yes, it's dying, but it's it's alive. Um, you know, the little sisters and the big daddies keep this place running, keep this place going, keep it functioning to a point. You know, limping along, but still slowly um, dying of decay. The music itself. And the reason why music is so important, and I've mentioned this multiple times, many, many times on many different sort of episodes that I've done. Music is incredibly crucial to anything that you do, and specifically in terms of video games and when you're trying to tell a story. Because music conveys what the story allows you to hear. What you see and what you feel within a story is conveyed best through music. You know what I mean? So I've always used the example that if you're looking at, if you're watching a movie, it's meant to be a very somber, very sad moment. Then if you're experiencing it just by, you know, seeing what they're saying, yeah, it still might be emotional to you. But if you put a nice classical undertone, you know, little bits here and there um, of a bit classical music in the background, that will sort of entice you to want to more so emote to open up your heart open up your soul to what's going on and it will pull you in harder you know like the boy in the pastrape pajamas that's a very hard to in sad movie but i feel like without music it wouldn't hit as hard as it does and with the music that they have i won't spoil it for nobody who's watched it but it makes that ending that big reveal more heart-wrenching 
because of the music you know and i feel like that's the same thing with rapture you you have the elements and the presentation that shows that this place is still alive but it's the music that makes you feel and understand feel its heartbeat really it's the lifeblood again of of rapture it's the thing that makes it feel still livable that you're not in some desolate ruin under the water that you are still in somewhere that at one stage was a beautiful and you know a utopia and some might say even heaven you know in some people's eyes but is now just a, a wasteland and the music conveys that you know as i was writing my notes i to get me into the mood um, of writing my notes and, and trying to bring back memories and how I felt about different elements of, of the game that I would I, I went onto YouTube and I put a 24 hour um, rapture intro um, on and it's the music that plays at the intro of the game where you're first going down into the bathosphere and, Ra- and Andrew Ryan first sort of introduces himself to you and introduces the idea behind rapture it's those first few minutes between going from bathosphere into um into Rapture and meeting Atlas and, and the Splicers for the first time. It's that pure... Um, what, what, what word am I looking for? It's that pure excitement. It's that pure Im- imaginative creativeness, that um, unknown, that feeling of the impossible made possible. You know what I mean? And I listened to that soundtrack on a loop, on that 24-hour loop, just over and over as I was writing my notes to really get me in the mood. And it worked fantastically because I could, I could, because I had the music, I could picture scenes, I could picture characters, and picture moments, and really quantify what it is I felt about this game and story. And it's so important. And as I said, music it just brings the world to life. It brings rapture to life. It's the heartbeat of rapture. It, it, you can feel its sorrow. You know, and I, I know it's 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 not alive but it feels alive and that's what i'm trying best to convey in in this review is the fact of you know barshak is a story about rapture it's the begin it's well the end of rapture you know it's showing you through that through sort of using story using characters using visuals it's telling you a story of how rapture fell and what what is happen what's going to happen next in terms of your adventure when you first get there um and it shows the sorrow, you know, that this place was beautiful, but it shows that this place is no longer livable. It's no longer viable. It is limping along and it will eventually fall. And these are the feelings that I've got just from the music alone. You know, if I'm, I'm sure, and we, when I did music back in school, um, the teacher used to put a piece of music on. She wouldn't tell us where the music was from, what movie, um, what play, whatever. She would put a piece of music on and she'd tell us all to close our eyes. And then after she'd played it, she'd play it again. But when you play it again, she would ask you to write down what you saw um, when you had your eyes closed. She'd only play it for a bit. She'd play some parts longer than others. But then she'd write down. It'd be amazing. You'd find how each one of us, and there was a class of like 25 to 30 kids, each one of us had a different story. You know, sometimes it was a soldier. Sometimes it was running through a forest. Or sometimes it was, it, it was happy. Or sometimes it was sad. Or people saw different things because different emotions feel differently. People are different. You know, we're all we're all the same, but our souls and our creativity and our imagination defines who we are as people, as, as beings. And it was interesting to see the difference and the reason why that's important here uh, in video games and in, in Bioshock more specifically is the fact of 
whoever plays it will get a different sense so for me i got the sense that rapture is alive that rapture is speaking to me that rapture is 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 through the presentation and through the music it's telling me how to feel it's telling me to feel sad it's telling me uh, that it's hurting it's telling me that you know um there was once hope here now the hope is gone you know and these are the feelings that i'm starting i i get and this is why again music is so important and i'm sure i will mention this many more times in the future um because i just i love the the idea of how music is used in any sort of form of medium um and especially when here in bioshock and here in rapture it's used perfectly um, it's used fantastically for the whole series to be honest but here in this first game more specifically it does a fantastic job of conveying to you the the player when you first get to rapture till your last sort of time in rapture that something bad happened here and even if you didn't have the visuals you could still have a sense that this place was once a, a, a miracle of engineering and is now home to well it's now a prison to those that are stuck here you know what i mean it's a very sorrowful very heartfelt sort of story um but told in in not through narrative and not through presentation just by the music so the music designers whoever sat down to write the music for this game hit it on the nail perfectly in my opinion um and yeah i I just love the music of this game I'd, I'd happily sit and listen to the whole soundtrack on my own just while i was doing writing or while i was, I was playing a game you know i mean i'd happily sit and listen to it because it's so um whimsical and 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 beautiful and heartfelt and it's everything that music should be you know what i mean the reason why we listen to music is to feel you know music is is was created to convey emotion without having to actually say anything you know what i mean and it's it's very beautiful so that's the the music part of, of Bioshock that I wanted to mention. I did get a bit soppy there. I do apologise, but I just love love the music of this game, and I really wanted to 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 convey how it made me feel and what it made me think when I heard it. Um, so that's the music. On to uh, a few special mentions, and then we do our overall thoughts. Now, before I ended, and before we get to my overall thoughts, I wanted to have a few special mentions of things that caught my eye and things that I weren't really big and didn't deserve their own sort of section because there wasn't a lot to say about them. But I wanted to kind of mention them here just before we wrap up. So uh, the first sort of special mention I wanted to talk about was the audio logs. Um, I did, when I was in university, when I was doing game design at university, um, we had to do our dissertation. And I decided to do my dissertation on um, storytelling in video games using um, different types of collectibles. Um, the actual overall title is is very boring. Anybody who's ever been to university who's ever had to do a dissertation knows that you have to make these things very dry, very drab, and very sort of to the point. Um, so the title of my paper that I wrote was Storytelling in Horror Games, an exploration of storytelling in video games via visual, audio, and text-based collectibles. And one of the games that I decided to look into was Bioshock, specifically the audio logs. Um, and the reason I looked into it is because I've, again, I've, I'm sure I've spoke to this of, of nauseam, but one thing that I really love about Bioshock and what I love about video games is that when you have collectibles that 
tell a story within a story. You know, so you have your main story, but then you have collectibles that expand on that, you know, expanded media. One of the reasons why I love reading uh, video game novels or I like reading the comic books that goes with video games or and stuff like that is because I love to... I love the world so much that I want to experience it more. I want to hear other people's stories. I want to hear other people's accounts. I want to know what happened before this happened, or I want to know what happened after this. You know that sort of thing. You know, it's, I've read reading Star Wars novels. I've got all the Dragon Age novels that I haven't read yet. I want to get round to Dead Space. I haven't read those. I've read all all the Mass Effect novels just because I love that series and that franchise so much that I wanted to be in that world, but see in a different perspective. And audio logs and collectibles, that sort of thing, allow you to do that. Um, and it really, for me, it really enhances the events of Rapture. And it really shows the downfall and allows you to really get an idea of, of how these people that lived in Rapture, how their lives, you know, how it was affected, what happened and that sort of thing. It's really incredible world building. Now, for example, you know, there's a lady that's her name's uh, Di McClintock, right? Her name's Diana McClintock and that she is an old flame of Andrew Ryan. And that Andrew Ryan yeah, basically didn't want anything to do with her and basically told her to do one. And she basically went to a nightclub um, for New Year celebration on her own. Very, very sad. Then she uh, splices, go into the bar, destroy the bar. She gets attacked and she, she gets her face all disfigured. So then she decides to go to Dr. Steinman, who is the leading um, cosmetic surgeon in all of Rapture, he's one of the best, one of the groundbreaking, the best at it and everything. Everybody goes to him. So she goes to see Dr. Steinman to fix this scar that's on her face to make her beautiful again because Dr. Steinman is the best. He's been proven to make people beautiful and gorgeous. Sadly, by the time that she gets to Steinman, he is already starting to lose his mind. So that when she wakes up from the anaesthetic, um, from going under procedure, under the knife, shall we say, um, she wakes up, she sees the reflection, she finds that Dr. Steinman has basically butchered her face. Um, and it turns out that Dr. Steinman himself, uh, the way he's lost his marbles is that he's trying to look for perfection, that he's trying to look for things that are, he's trying to make the perfect person, the perfect human, the perfect human face, the he hates anything that's ugly. He wants to change it and make it beautiful in his own image and that sort of thing. But the problem is he will never find it because his idea of beautiful is unattainable. You know what I mean? Um, so she goes, she wakes up and it sends her crazy. It sends her mad because Dr. Steinman has, has, has butchered her. Um, and this is basically this story, this this that little tale that I've just told. It's all from memory that I heard by listening to audio logs. You, know, you listen through the audio logs of the story and these are the little bits of detail that you get told that you hear as you play through the game if you are if you, again if you used to bother to look for the audio logs if you don't find them you're just going to get the main story but if you watch you want to find out rapture rapture here and these people you listen to these audio logs and not just that as you go through the game you find more of diane's um audio logs before all that happened and you find out what it was like when she first met Andrew Ryan, when she went on dates with Andrew Ryan. And then you can slowly piece together the story that when she met him, you know, it was lovely, it was romantic, it was it was wonderful. You know, it was first dates. And then things started, didn't go very well, you know. Um, he wasn't interested in her anymore, so he decided to basically ignore her. And eventually, by the time she gets to, on her own, New Year's Eve 1959, uh, she gets attacked by splicers, and then she meets Diamond, and then, you know, 
she loses her mind and it's a sad story so it's a sad tale but it's slowly drip fed to you and it's incredible world building and diane is just one of the many um characters you can listen to there's um sullivan who is the head of security you have um oh, oh, i can't remember his name um the main the main character of the Barshot book, uh, Mr. Mc, McDowd. Um, I forgot his first name. Well, let's call him Edward McDowd for argument's sake. Um, you get to learn more about his story. You know, I already know his story anyway because I've read the novel. But you have to imagine when the first Barshot game came out, the novel wasn't out yet. So this was your only idea of who this guy was. And he was the hedge engineering. And you can tell that he, he as you find more of his audio logs, he gets more frustrated and annoyed at Andrew Ryan because he's not being listened to you know he's basically seeing he's got to go to the underbelly that the the hidden parts of rapture because again he's the head engineer he goes to these parts and he sees the big daddies and he doesn't like the idea of the big daddies and he doesn't like the idea of the little sister and he sees them skulking around in the underbelly of rapture also he finds people in rapture who are hyped up who are becoming splicers are very violent and he's warning Sullivan he's warning he's warning um Ryan about all this he's not being listened to and he's also trying to say like and there's also bits of the story where he tells about the creation of rapture and how that you're underwater and how the water will keep trying to get in because it's salty you've got to use certain sort of materials and it's it's a fantastic sort of world building really and I just wanted to mention the audio logs because they do a fantastic job if you're willing to to search and you're willing to take your time to look for them the story that they tell is bar none just as good if not sometimes better than the overall story i know it might be a bit sort of um, sacrilege to say not saying that the barshack story on its own is not great it's fantastic it's epic it's it's a masterpiece really um but it's the extra story that i dig for i love the extra bit of side content and lore it makes me want to dig and find out more especially the more i love and the more i'm interested in the world the more i want to know more about it and these audio logs and collectibles under this nature allow somebody like me to do that and i just appreciate that so much it adds more life into the world especially with rapture when you meet it it's dying it makes it feel a lot more it makes the world feel a lot more alive and once lived in once habitable you know so I just wanted to um, mention that. Um, other thing that I would like to mention is Fort Frolic. Um, Fort Frolic is always confused me when I first played it when I was younger. I, it always really annoyed me because the first few levels are very quick paced. The first few levels are very quick. They're very sort of um, in your face. You know, you've got plasmids, you've got guns. You know, you 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 find a little sister. You get better. You get more upgraded. So the first few levels, it's very quick. You you can run through them quite quickly. If you're not looking for uh, the collectibles, or you're not looking for the upgrades for your weapons or plasmids, anything like that, you're not doing research, anything like that. If you're generally just playing it as an FPS shooter, going from one room to the next, A and B, then you can go through the missions quite quickly. Fort Frolic slows you down, and it's intentionally slows you down for a reason. And I'll explain that for reason in a bit. Um, but when I first played it, I, I used to hate Fort Frolic because it slowed it down so much that I got bored. I was like, I don't want to take photos. I don't care who this Sander Cohen is. I don't give a pee at all. Um, but it's not until I, I learned game design and that I learned what the ins and outs of how game design, how level design is and, and budgets and how expensive game design is. Um, and actually listening to the Bioshock documentary as well of how they what went into making the game that I realised Fort Frolic is intentionally there to slow the player down mainly because they had a lot of ideas that they wanted to do for this story 
and for the game um, but due to budget and time constraints they had to cut a lot of content out and there were things that they couldn't have and they had to kind of realize that if we just have the game as it is if we don't put something in that's going to slow the player down the player is going to be done in a very short amount of time so we need to do something that's going to slow them down um, and kind of make the game feel longer so they put Fort Frolic in to allow that so they put most of what their budget into doing that area. That's why that area is so beautiful and, and down so well, because it's meant to be a spectacle. It's meant to be um, you kind of stop and you look around and it's gorgeous. But also taking the idea of the research camera and showing you like maybe you should use the research camera more kind of there is benefits to using it. So it slows you down, makes you want to appreciate what's going on around you as well as use the research camera, take pictures. Um, but it also kind of, shows the idea of, of the real world design it allows you to sit and appreciate how beautiful rapture once was before it went under you know how the, what rapture stood for the idea between entertainment and freedom and allowing to have fun you know not worry about people you know telling you you can and can't do this it's about expression it's about fun it's about <laughs> being a child again you know being able to fort frolic to frolic to enjoy to to have fun you know what i mean um so i i wanted to mention fort frolic because it's interests me to find out that it was put there intentionally to slow the player down um intentionally slow them down but it's also there you know as a way to appreciate what's there so i just wanted to to bring that bit up because i thought it was thought it was interesting um this next part that i wanted to mention um is a spoiler so up until this point, there's been no real sort of spoilers. But if you don't want any spoilers at all, because this is a big one. It's the big twist of the whole game. So if you don't want this, this I, I will let you guys, let you now uh, now know that I'm going to spoil it. So I'm going to give you the count of five um, to pause, to leave, to play the game, to come back, and we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, so one, two, three, four, five, five and a half five and three quarters okay so all the people that didn't want and it spoiled are gone those that are left um you obviously know what happens or you're not interested um but the idea behind would you kindly you know that's one of the big sort of things in this game and it, it blew my head off when i first found it and it's honestly one of the best twists in any video game or any movie ever. Like, I, I love M. Night Shyamalan, you know. I, lo I love that guy. Signs, not so much. But I like M. Night Shyamalan, right? One thing I love about his movies, I love his twists. I don't always see them coming. They're not always clever, but they're, you know, they're done in such a way where I'm like, oh, this is quite good, actually. You know, I love a good twist in a movie. I love a good twist in a game. And the idea of Would You Kindly is one of the best subliminal messages and one of the best twists ever in anything again that's my opinion the reason i think that is because it's just a phrase would you kindly it's a phrase that i'd heard before before i played the game you know by my grandparents would you kindly do this for me would you kindly do that you know it's just a phrase but when it's done in such a, when it's used in such a way in this game it's clever very clever and it also another thing that i found while i was listening to the documentary of how they made bioshock 
is that originally the voice of Atlas was going to be, I think it was like a, a Western sort of, think of um, Yosemite Sam, like howdy, I'm not going to do an American, I don't want to um, uh, offend anybody, but think of Yosemite Sam from the Looney Tunes or the, the, the giant chicken from Looney Tunes. They're going to have a very Southern, very Kentucky sort of sound voice for him. But instantly, when they had that voice, um, any of the playtesters or any people in the team that were testing the game instantly did not trust Atlas, did not trust who he was or what he was saying, even if he was trying to be kind, didn't trust him. He just had that type of accent and voice that just think, this guy's slimy. There's something about this bloke that I don't like. So they decided to change it to a very calm, very relaxing, very sombre um, Irish accent. And that's when the, the, the creation of Atlas is from. You know what I mean, and then if you if you if if you hear the the sounds, would you kindly, you know, would you kindly kill Andrew Ryan? Would you kindly do this? Would you kindly do that? That's my attempt at an Irish accent. I do apologise. Uh, <laughs> would you believe I'm half Irish? And you know, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm going off track. The the point is, when you hear the uh, the the words "Would you kindly" from a very calming, very welcoming voice, you have no reason not to trust what you're being told. And again, up until this point in Bioshock, no video game has ever done this before. No, as far as as far as I know, as far as I'm aware, no video game has done what Bioshock had did. So, no, none of the players, if whether you, matter how many video games you had played, or if you was new to video games, you would never experienced this before. And it was the idea that behind of, it was just a phrase. It was just something that wasn't said all the time. But it was said when there was an order, but you didn't notice that it was an order. You just said, well, you know, Atlas is my friend. He's asking me to do something. He's asking me to help him. Would you kindly go save my children? Would you kindly pick up the radio? Would you kindly pick up a wrench? Would you kindly kill Andrew Ryan? You think, well, it, you know, yeah, I have a reason to pick up this, this speaker because I want to listen to him. I don't, would I kindly pick up the wrench? Yeah, I will pick up the wrench because I need to defend myself. You know, would I kindly do this or would I kindly do that? Or would I kindly kill Andrew Ryan? Well, I have a reason to kill Andrew Ryan because he's a knobhead. You know, he, he killed Atlas's family. I have all the reason in the world to not like him and to do as Atlas says. You know, it's not until you find out that it was all a mind control and that, you know, you're subliminally being controlled and being told what to do and that you were done it because you had no re you didn't know other words not to. You didn't know that you'd be mind controlled that it's such an incredible twist. And when the twist happens and you find out who Atlas is and Atlas isn't Atlas, he's Fontaine and how, you know, if you've been listening to the audio logs and you've been paying attention to what Andrew Ryan was saying and all that, then you actually know that Fontaine was a really bad guy, that he faked his death and that he pretended he was reborn into Atlas. Again, all this is explained in a fantastic detail in the book i know i keep mentioning the book but please do go back and read the book it's absolutely incredible um but what i love about it is it's just it came out the blue it blew my head off i couldn't believe it when i first heard the words would you kindly and then to find out what those words meant and what i'd what i'd had done i was like oh my god and no video game to this day has ever done it as well you know has never done anything anything like it and i don't think you will be able to again and probably not for another couple of years simple reason
Barshak is still very much loved. It's still very much in the mem minds and memories of most players. So that if any video game would try to do it again, we would instantly notice. I feel like we would do, unless it was done in, in a very clever, smart way, like it was done here, we would notice it. So I don't think it's something that we would ever see in video games for a very long time until my generation is old enough where we either not playing as games as much and the new generation has come in that are new that don't know what Bioshock is Bioshock is an old game you know um it's not really remembered only remembered by those that still you know grew up with it um, and then they could probably try to do it again but I feel like it's a one trick pony it's one of them things that are like one video game can do it once and it blow people away and it's not something you you can you can do again um, I'm sure games try to emulate it and try to copy it but no games did it as good as Bioshock, and no game ever will do it as Bioshock, as, as do as well as Bioshock did it. Um, the end. So um, I just wanted to to mention those things. Oh, by the way, you know, if you skipped ahead, spoiler over now. Done with the spoilers. Um, but that's all the special mentions. Um, I'm going to go and do my overall thoughts now, and we're going to go step by step. And um, yeah, then we'll wrap it up nicely. So onto the overall thought. So here we are, my overall thoughts of Bioshock. Well, overall, in my opinion, Bioshock is, and again, this is my opinion, you don't have to take it if you don't like it, but in my opinion, Bioshock is a masterpiece. It works perfectly, you know, in, in all aspects, from the presentation to the combat to the, the gameplay to the music to everything, really. Everything is just the story narrative, the twists, the turns. It's all perfect. Uh, I have no real faults with this game. You know, as I mentioned, the trailer did what a trailer is meant to do. It drew me in. It drew me in so long for years until I finally got around to playing it. it I dreamt about it. You know what I mean? So the presentation's already there. Then when I got to Rapture and I saw how beautiful the world is and how gorgeous and how I've never seen anything like it before. And it felt like true next gen to me going from the original xbox and playstation 2 and that sort of, and all those sort of consoles and to come to xbox 360 and to experience this world it's it was phenomenal you know what i mean um so in my opinion barshuck is a masterpiece and always will be a masterpiece in my eyes you know as i mentioned you know just earlier about you know in, in the spoilers um no other game has ever been able to do what Barshak has done, and it never ever will be able to do what Barshak done has done. And I, even if they tried to reboot it, I don't think it would work. Not just because we've already seen it, but because it works so perfectly as it is that unless they change it and they try to do something different, this game would always just be perfect. But that's the, that's the beauty, and that's why I welcome sequels. That's why I welcome reboots and stuff like that because. If they succeed, great, fantastic. We have another fantastic game or movie or whatever to watch. Um, but if it doesn't, you still have the great, the perfect to go back to. You know what I mean? So in my opinion, Bioshock is a masterpiece. The visuals and presentation do a fantastic job of trying to convey to you the narrative and the story of what happened here. That this place is alive, that it was once a kicking utopia of the golden age of ingenuity and technology and creativity and inventiveness and 
anything and anything that you wanted to do you could do the freedom it was the pinnacle of what freedom should be and what freedom is and when you finally get there it shows you that this place went down and it's up to you to figure out what happened and through the using the use of pre visual and presentation and narrative and story it conveys that perfectly to the t as well as you know the audio logs as well if you listen to the audio logs you get a lot more and you get a better sense of the people that lived here as well as it makes the place look feel more alive um as for again the little sisters and big daddies they work perfectly as well you don't you don't have to harvest the little sisters but if you do you get a better ending the big daddy the big daddies are a fantastic challenge they're a lot of fun um so it is worth doing as well because if you if you rescue them you get more adam you get more tonics so there's a benefit to it you know better better ending um more atom more powerful a lot more fun and be a lot more creative within the um, gameplay as well again as for gameplay plasmids and combat the combat is fun and fluid granted for me personally yes i only use the same plasmids all the time or the same weapons all the time which is like the shotgun machine gun pistol sort of electro bolt and incinerate granted i use them all the time for new players, it allows creativity. It allows the freedom to be like, I'm going to try this one. I'm going to try that one. You know, I've upgraded this weapon so it can do this now. It can do that now. So it allows that sort of you the freedom to experiment, to be very free flow. Yes, it's still very early sort of 2008 sort of, you know, that generation of, of gaming. So it's not fa it's not perfect nowadays, but for what you could do back then, it was incredible you know it changed the game in terms of combat and, and the idea of gameplay and how a shooter would how would play and work you know so it might not be incredible today or revolutionary but back in the day it was it was next gen you know it was everything about it was just like inventive and ingenuitive you know uh, the research camera was a fantastic bit of tool that again like the combat it allowed the freedom to be like if you use it it will be beneficial to you in the long run because the game would be made easier you know what i mean so again research camera very very ahead of its time um, as for the music again music tells the story music allows the the narrative to flow a lot more seamless instead of a, a raging torrent of just information and facts like pow 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 would you kind of this would you kind of that raptures this raptures that is a man not a sweat of his brow andrew ryan fontaine blah blah blah, blah. instead of being spurted and basically shotgun blasted in the face with information it's a, it's a trickle and the music helps instead of it instead of it being like you know a gentle you know, a, a, like a, a a tap on the face of information. It's a gentle swipe. It's a gentle breeze along the cheek of like, ah, Andrew Ryan. Ah, oh, Atlas. Oh, Plasmids. Oh, Little Sisters. Oh, you know. Um, again, I'm just the image I've just put in my own head there was a bit silly, but you know, it 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 allows the, the narrative to flow. To flow. It allows the presentation to take a seat and to relax. Of instead of doing all the heavy lifting all the work it allows go this is what the presentation is here's the music that accompanies it now just sit and enjoy the vista enjoy what you can see enjoy what you can feel you know what i mean feel emotion feel happy feel sad feel sorrow feel joy i want you to feel something in this area and the music conveys that perfectly and like i said music is important in every single genre any sort of visual genre um they, they do it in audiobooks now i love audiobooks that have um 
audio cues like soundtrack sound effects and background music i love when they do that you know so music is important to best convey and bolster what is there to make it better so the music is is fantastic um, again fort frolic and the audio logs they do a fantastic job the audio logs do of showing you more of the story and fort frolic uh, allows you to really appreciate what is going on um within the narrative so overall my again i'll come back to it my my overall feeling is Barshak is a masterpiece um and i love it and i always will and i'll always come back to Barshak and it just it feels like home i know it's an odd thing to say but Barshak for me is is was and is one of the best games I ever played on the 360. And I've spoke on Nauseam how much I miss the 360 days. Those were the pinnacle for me um, of who I am as a gamer, the 360 days, really. They really defined and shaped who I was. And it was because of stories like Bioshock um, really sort of pushed me to want to explore video games and game design because I wanted to know how they did that. And when I learned the tricks of the trades... Um, even now when I play a game, because I know, because I've seen behind the curtain, I've seen, you know, the, the controller behind how it all works, how I know why certain things happen in certain video games. There are certain games now where I'll play and I try to ignore it, but because I know how it works, there are times I know why that music happened or I know uh, why this is here or I know how that was done or all this jazz. But even with Bioshock, when I was playing through it, it didn't happen. You know, it didn't come up. Like I knew how things were done, and I could sit and explain to you how they did certain things. Um, but because again, the story was so impactful, and because I had so much nostalgia to me, that I just shut it all off. That all just blocked out. I was able to sit and feel like a kid again, and my it felt like, even though it was my tenth or eleventh time back to Rapture, it felt like my first time. So to me, Barshak will always hold a place in my heart of being one of the best video games of my generation and probably one of the best video games ever and i, I don't think i'd be alone in be alone be alone in um with that you know so to me barshak is a masterpiece um and that's all i've got to say about it um i've been talking now for probably a few an hour and maybe an hour 30 maybe this point i don't know um but I've really enjoyed my time talking about Bioshock and I'm, I'm really glad that you folks were here to, to join me, to allow me to gush over something that I love so much and that I'm passionate about. Um, I, I do apologise if this ran over and went longer than I'd, I'd planned. I will try to cut it down in the editing, but it might still be a very, very long episode because of research and stuff like that. Um, but thank you for joining me. Um, I'm not gonna just. I'm not gonna do a interlude and do the end. I'm just gonna do it here so it doesn't run any longer. Um, if you're interested in in me or you're listening, interested in the stuff I talk about, you can follow me on Twitter at nerdstagic underscore pod to be updated on everything and anything that I'm doing there. Um, you can also find this podcast on Spotify. You can find me on Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcast. You can find me on Audible. You can find me on YouTube. If you listen to this on YouTube, please, please, please like, comment, subscribe, share it with friends. You know, I want this episode to, to explode. I want it to do really, really well. The last Barshark episode has been doing really, really well. So I want this one to doubly explode and um, 
you know it's down to you you folks on youtube so like comment subscribe share with friends all that jazz it will mean the world to me it really really will um and also, if you listen to this on Spotify, don't forget to give me a star rating for one to five stars. Five stars, best thing you've heard in your life. Um, to one star, I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about. Barshak is the masterpiece. You know, whatever you feel like is fair, one to five stars, I really, really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, so you've been listening to the Nerd Sajit podcast. I have been Luke, your host. Thank you very, very much for listening. I appreciate you deeply. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. I've been Luke. This is the Nerd Sagit Podcast. Signing off. Bye-bye.